Sunday has many different names. It's obviously the second Sunday of Easter. As we mentioned at the beginning of Mass, it is also called Low Sunday, according to the degree of solemnity and festivity in comparison to Easter Sunday, which would be the high point of this week. Another name that this Sunday has is Divine Mercy Sunday. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, in the year 2000, dedicated this Sunday to remembering the divine mercy, the mercy of God. But there's a fourth name that this Sunday has, which is not all that common. We don't hear it all that often. Today, is also called White Sunday. Why is it called White Sunday? Because in the early church, those who came into the church at the Easter Vigil, those who were baptized at the Easter Vigil, they would wear white garments. They would look like those who are like a bride who is about to be married. They would look like those little girls as they're coming to the altar to receive their first communion. Everyone who received baptism at the Easter Vigil would wear a white garment, a garment that was pure, a garment that had no stain because their souls would, after baptism, have no stain. And so, today, this Sunday, all those people who came into the church who at the moment of the sun's rising on Easter Sunday morning were baptized would not be attending Mass Easter Sunday. That would be their Mass. The Easter Vigil was their Mass. The first opportunity and the last time that these people would wear those white garments was today, this Sunday was the day when the parish community would see all those who had been baptized in their white garments, and after today's celebration, they would take off those garments and become a part of that parish community. They would begin the adventure of ordinary life. Hence the name White Sunday. Today, no matter what year we're in, you will always hear this gospel that we heard tonight. Thomas. Why? Why this gospel tonight? I think when we hear about Thomas, he has such a bad reputation, we immediately think of doubting Thomas. Thomas was the apostle who didn't believe. He was the skeptic. He was the guy that, I mean, for crying out loud, he was told about the resurrection and everything, and he's like, nope, I'm not going to believe. Unless I put my finger into his hands and my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. And we can all comfortably sit in our places tonight and look at Thomas and just go, oh, yeah, that disciple who was just so unbelieving. But there's something interesting that I want to bring up about Thomas. We often put him into this little box of doubting Thomas. Tonight I would like to stretch that box just a little bit. Tonight's gospel, those apostles 
were in the upper room. The door was locked because they were scared out of their minds. It says it in the Gospel, for fear of the Jews. They're afraid of someone finding them, recognizing that they were followers of Jesus Christ, and killing them. They were scared, locked in the upper room. All of them, except Thomas. Quite possibly, it doesn't say in the gospel. Quite possibly, though, we can discover that Thomas was the one who wasn't afraid. Thomas was walking the streets of Jerusalem. Thomas was maybe getting the groceries for the other 11 who were a bunch of scared, or the other 10 who were scared out of their minds. This doubting Thomas that we close into a little box quite possibly was the one who had the most courage. The one who quite possibly is walking the streets of Jerusalem saying, come on, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Crucify me if you want. I don't care. He wasn't locked in that upper room. Quite possibly, Thomas was an apostle who had a lot of courage. In another place in the Gospel, when Jesus predicts his passion and his death, Thomas says, well, let's go to Jerusalem and let's die with him. Let's go. He was a very sincere man. Another thing that was interesting is Thomas is not afraid to ask for what he needs to believe. He's not afraid to admit that he will not believe. And he's not afraid to ask, sincerely ask the Lord, this is what I need to believe. He's not putting on a show. He's not saying, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. And really down he doesn't believe. He says, no, I don't believe. I'm struggling. I'm not understanding this. I can't believe Jesus Christ walked into this room. And you know what I need, Lord? I need you to walk in, and I need to put my finger in your hand, and I need to put my hand in your side, and then I will believe. Incredible. How many of us are like Thomas in our prayer? Am I like Thomas in my prayer? Or do I do these pious, who knows what, to please God? Or do I tell them, I don't believe. You gotta help me, Lord. You gotta give me something. Because, man, it is so hard to believe that you are alive. I don't see you. The second amazing thing is Jesus' answers. Jesus comes back and Jesus says, Thomas, put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side because I want you to believe. And Jesus, he comes back. He doesn't come back the next day. He comes back a week later. Jesus answers our prayers when and how it's best for us. We have to be patient, but we have to be sincere in our prayer. Stop praying for pious, weird stuff that you actually don't want or need. 
talk to him. Tell him I struggle to believe. This is what I need to believe. The last thing I want to mention tonight, I think it's an interesting point because it's what these newly baptized and their parish would have heard in tonight's gospel. How did Thomas come to know that Jesus had appeared to the other apostles? It says it. In tonight's gospel, it says it. They went and told him. Thomas was there waiting in the upper room, was able to encounter Jesus Christ, was able to put his finger into his hands, his hand into his side, because the other apostles went looking for him and they told him about their experience with Jesus Christ. Not only that, how did Thomas know that Jesus' side was pierced with the lance? The Romans never killed people like that on the cross. They broke their legs in order to ensure that they were dead. They never stuck their spear into the side of the person who was being crucified. How did Thomas know that as well? Because John and the women who were there at the moment of the crucifixion talked about it. Thomas gets to know Jesus, the risen Lord, and encounters him because others have told him. And I think this is the power of tonight's gospel because the parish would be all gathered looking at those people who had just come into the faith and had just been baptized, and they would be reflecting, hopefully, and thinking to themselves, these people that are in our midst who have come to know Jesus Christ and have been baptized, how did they reach the place that they are today? How did they arrive at baptism? Because we as a community have told them about Jesus Christ. If no one were to tell them about Jesus Christ, how would they ever know him? And so today, we as a parish, I have to ask myself, do I talk about my experience of, with Jesus Christ? Do I tell others about the God that I love? The God that loves me? The God that died for me? the God that has so radically changed my life. And if I find that I don't talk about that, if I find that maybe I'm afraid to talk about Him, if I find that maybe sometimes I'm ashamed to talk about Him, then tonight I have to ask myself, am I in love with Him? Because if I love basketball, I talk about basketball. If I love my job, I talk about my job. If I love my children, I talk about my children. If I love my Lord and Savior, 
why don't I talk about him? My dear brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that there are many Thomases out there. Many people, not just myself, that struggle with the faith and quite possibly don't even know Jesus Christ. And the only way, my dear brothers and sisters, that these Thomases are going to experience this Jesus Christ is if someone's telling them about him. If someone comes and says, Thomas, he is risen. Thomas, this is how he died. Thomas, this is how much he loves you. 